Move, Go, Walk, and Flow. This podcast, Special Needs in Motion, is dedicated to helping individuals learn to move and function at their best. Listen along to learn a little and maybe even laugh and be inspired. Please review and share so others can have access to our community. I'm your host, Ilana, a physical therapist, product developer, mom, wife, author, blogger, and podcaster. I love a great discussion, coaching the families with whom I work, and finding solutions. I love putting the fun and play into therapy. And it is a pleasure to be your host. Just a quick note, if you'd like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to me at specialneedsinmotion.com or just check the show notes. And any information shared here should not be taken as direct advice. You know the drill. Consult your local therapist, professional, or doctor before trying any suggestions. Well, let's go. Hi, this is Ilana, the host of Special Needs in Motion. And this evening, I'm here with Chaya Gatsman. And I am so excited, a friend, an OT, a business owner, and we are going to have a little fun talking. So Chaya, welcome. Hi, thanks so much. Happy to be here, seriously. <laughs> and no, it's really fun. And you know, we met so it seems like so long ago at the National OT Convention. And you were one of those amazing OTs who let me into the fold, sort of speak, as a PT. So <laughs> I felt I felt quite honored and loved. And um, anyways, I just it's so neat to be able to talk to you and just share some of your pearls of wisdom and successes and strifes and all that kind of stuff. So what do you want to talk about first? Very exciting. First of all, it was a really long time ago that we met. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was very surprised to find out you were not an OT because you fit right in. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> um, you you have an OT personality, which I think is just less straight laced than most PTs I know. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm kind of out of the box, and I always say like I don't follow rules very well, much to uh, many people in my life's uh, demise. <laughs> Well, I think this is why we get along so well, because <laughs> I'm not a rule follower either. Yeah. And I think that's how I got to where I am today, because if I were following rules, I never would have made it exactly where I am. Right. Exactly. Because you got to step out of the box. And... Yeah. I always went with what I liked. So even, I don't know if it's high school, I did it. Start, it started in high school. So, like, we would have a requisite, like, let's say, gym or phys ed or something like that, or a language. That was it. It was a language. And instead of a language, you could take typing. So I, yeah. t- so I took typing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, again, language in college. And for me... Um, Hebrew and Yiddish were not considered foreign languages. And those are two languages that I actually speak a little bit of. And I guess I just don't like languages. So I think my alternative was to take two courses that were not a part of my major. Um, that were major courses. So like I took psychology courses, um, Uh that were like a level two course instead in lieu of 
um, a language. And even one of the psychology teachers thought I was majoring in psychology. So that was cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. That was kind of like, I, um, I really didn't like science in high school. Like I, I took a study hall instead of physics. Oh my goodness. How'd you end up in PT? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And then I decided to go in PT and decided, oh, you know, this isn't so bad. And I sort of picked up a a, a different, you know, when you know what you're going for, it makes all the difference. Yes. Yes. And there's an interest. It's a a bizarre phenomenon that happens when it's an, um, it is, uh, the word's the word is eluding me, but when it's a concept versus reality yeah. um, and it's not connected to, to reality, then it's harder to, to grasp and it's harder to enjoy. Right, right. I get that. Which is the OT philosophy. It's got to be functional. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Like if I tell a kid why I'm asking him to, you know, spin his pencil <laughs> in the air without dropping it like a helicopter he might be more interested in pursuing it and focusing harder on being successful. Cause otherwise I'm just out of the blue asking him to flip a pencil around. It makes no sense to him, mm-hmm. especially when, especially when it's hard for him. <laughs> and again, Oh wow. This is really like, you're just making me notice that this is a major theme in my life. So like in college, literally only did what I like to do. I, I think some people end up taking a whole lot more credits than they need because they find out they have to take courses to match the requirements. Mm-hmm. I don't think I got any like that. I think I graduated with exactly the number <laughs> of credits I needed. Cause I oh, yeah, me it. too. I, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a minimalist. You know? Yeah. Um, sometimes too much. So, but like, I remember one of my teachers said, um, you're really brief, but you really had everything in there. Like she couldn't take away any points because I had all the information, but it was a really short answer. And I mean, so much so that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I majored in theater. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. And actually, I think a great segue to being an OT. I guess so, but I didn't know it. First of all, I didn't know I wanted to be an OT at the time. Had I known, I would have been probably so much more ahead of where I'm at because my college had a joint degree with um, both NYU and Columbia. And in five years, I could have had my master's in OT. Wow. (laughs) Instead, um, I majored in theater thinking I was going to law school, (laughs) figuring I'd be a really good court attorney, you know? (laughs) <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I realized I'm really not a good student. And I hate writing papers. So that really was not a good fit. Yeah. And you have to like to read a lot too to be a lawyer. Yeah. I don't mind reading, but, but really dry stuff. I don't know that I could do. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Um, so I ended up taking six weeks to go to Florida and I came back eight years later <laughs> with an OT degree. Wow, that's a great story. I love that. Yeah, so six weeks turned into a year. Um, I got, what did I do first? I was doing retail. Oh, man, I don't even know what I did first. I think, 
Yes. I went to massage school and I got a license in massage in Florida and I was only licensed in Florida, which is why I couldn't move back to New York. I'm from New York originally. I started doing retail in Victoria's Secret, Lane Bryant, which is the same company as Victoria's Secret. And so I was doing retail and massage and teaching Hebrew school after school, um, not knowing what I wanted to do. And one of the Hebrew school teachers, and she handed me the OT practice magazine. Those are things with papers and pictures. They're, you know, they have words typewritten on them, (laughs) but they're a Uh physical product. I don't know if your youngster listeners really um, know what I'm talking about, but... (laughs) There was an article in there about all the areas that you could go into for OT. So you could major in hands or mental health. Oh, that was part of it. So I started, before I went to OT school, I actually started my master's in social work. But the school I was in was really into traditional social work. So it was really case management in really poor neighborhoods, working really hard for very little money. And after about a year, I, it wasn't for me because it wasn't what I thought it would be. And despite my mother begging me to finish, I didn't. And I think that's when I went to massage school and started, started to do massages, saying in the back of my head, going, if it's not enough, I'll look into PT. <laughs> Um, and that's when this Hebrew teacher um, handed you a brochure. Correct. And my mom's an artist and I was a theater person. I was, um, I did a lot of physical stuff as well. And I love kids. I played with kids my entire life. I was counselor and all these places. And I just always loved holding babies. And so it was a great fit. Well, the list of things were mental health. So there's my clinical psychology, you know, peds, which is a whole lot of acting and, and crafting. So, so there was the art part in there too. And then they even talked about ergonomics and design of home. And I thought that would be cool too. And the kicker was I didn't have to keep going to school to switch. If I chose to switch tomorrow, I didn't need a whole new degree. And so that's how I fell into OT. OT. But you own your own practice now, right? In Manhattan? I do. But again, fell into everything I fell into. Um, The school actually that I went to for OT, Nova Southeastern University, was, had just opened. And that's what this teacher told me. And she said, you know, try this school. I'm going to still go to Barry because it's not open yet. And I can still get a bachelor's as an OT, but they're moving into master's and this is an entry level master's. And because it was a brand new school, a lot of the prerequisites were recommended and not required. Uh huh. So I had no physics. <laughs> there were a couple of prerequisites I had to do and the school literally was across the street from where I lived. So, oh, that's so nice. Oh, nice. So I literally felt at the only school I applied to literally fell into OT school. Then, um, when I finally got my, I did my last level two in New York, I moved back now that I had a profession I could do outside of Florida. Um, I moved back into my childhood home in Rockland County and did my last two level twos from there. 
um, my internships mm-hmm. and, um, and then started just working. I moved into the city at some, Manhattan at some point and I started working for agencies, temp agencies. And one of the locations, the OT in charge, I had gone to high school with. And her and her sister were the um, main OTs in this place. And because OTs were in such demand, I was contracted, but basically I had a full-time job there. Again, fell into it because I went to high school with the people who were there. Uh And they were great. They were really great um, role models and and trainers. And and it was a very difficult job on one hand. and yet, on the other hand, it wasn't so much of a challenge because it was a, it was literally called the preschool for multiply handicapped children. So they were really struggling and um, had really low function. You know, you would, a lot of people thought, oh, it was so depressing because they really weren't going to improve all that much. Because a lot of what we're, right. we were doing was reaching, you know, that was their goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or eye gaze, yeah. making eye contact. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I w- I did an a two week internship, a, a similar kind of place. It's it's special though. It I saw mm-hmm. so many kids with such persistence and drive. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. This little girl with CP insisted on tying her own shoes. There was no way she could tie her own shoes, and she couldn't speak. But she let us know that she refused to let anyone else tie her shoes. Wow. Amazing. Uh-huh. And just coincidentally happened to find her a couple of years later in another job, you know, part-time, you know, contract position. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, saw her in a couple of years later and she was functioning pretty well. It was really quite cool. Wow. Well, so how did you end up in private? So after that stint, they, the, the job market changed so that they offered me a full-time position on salary with benefits. And it was a, it's a big um, hospital in New York. I actually, what they offered me was not, the benefits weren't good enough for me to take it as a salaried position. So I went back out and was doing just um, like work when people were away um, I don't remember what that's called. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, like substitute work. When when OTs were away, right. I'd have jobs, you know, stints of a week, two weeks. Like PRN. Yes. Well, this was all PRN. It just so happened that the PRNs I had been taking were long term. So, again, it's amazing. So one place, I also a woman I went to high school with was there. And somehow I ended up back at that first hospital covering, that's it, coverage. I was covering for someone, but one of the people mentioned about how all you had to do was get fingerprinted for the Department of Education and you could just start working on your own. And I started doing home visits for the DOE, for the Department of Education in New York. Wow, that was very brave. (laughs) So I've been told that, that and EI, early intervention um, cases as well. So I was doing a lot of home early intervention. How did you deal with like all the insurance and billing and all that? So I didn't have to. And when I did early intervention, I was working for an agency who did early intervention and they paid me. The agency was paying me 
Okay. And the okay. Department like, of Ed was paying me on the other end. So that was. Okay. Part- That's kind of like what I do. Okay. I, I, what sort of about it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I meant like I'm my own business, but I contract with, with a company that pays me directly. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So we get contracts through Babies Can't Wait here in Georgia, places like that. They get they get the contracts. They send me, you know, some of those and others and whatever I want. Right. You up. piecemeal. And which is what makes it so yeah. Um, yeah. desirable is that it you really can pick and choose. Yes, you don't work, you don't get paid, but, but right. you can take <laughs> off on a cruise for two months if you really want it to. Yeah. Yeah. And dig yeah. your way into debt like I did. Um. <laughs> right. But you, do, you get to choose. I love it. Uh-huh. You know, I have, yeah. I know why you would love it. Like, it's, <laughs> I do. It's, a, it's out of the box and right. You're kind of creating a life. You're, cre- you're forming yes. your entire experience. You don't have to. Oh, right. I did have one job for one school year. Um, I worked for a preschool, um, like a synagogue preschool in Riverdale, and I had a car at the time, and I drove in, and it was the worst experience of my life. (laughs) I was miserable. Yeah, why? First of all, it was getting there early in the morning. I'm not a morning person, so I was always running late. Um, And then... I still was a pretty new OT, um, and even though I had experience when they interviewed me, they said, so you know how to do this IEP stuff? And I said, sure. And I didn't know what they were talking about. (laughs) I I thought I did. (laughs) That's happened to me multiple times. Okay, (laughs) good. Not the only one. Um, So when it came time for me to write the report, they're like, you told us you know how to do this. <laughs> oh, it was such a struggle for me. And by the end of the school year, and also my supervisor was just nasty. She just, um, I felt ostracized and it, it was just not a fun. But it was a great learning experience, right? Because you learn what you don't want Yes, to do. and that's why I never worked for anyone I mean, that really mm-hmm. was, I think, the driving factor. Yeah. I like also that I really work for the parents mm. and the kids, you know? You know, that's who I feel that at least I work for them. And if, is that, if that's my mindset, you know, it's like I always have my priorities straight. Um, where when you work for a business and a company, and I have worked for several there's always this, it's like, it's like the money or, you know, can we, can you do it this way so we can earn a few extra dollars? And, and I just um, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. And so, following rules and regulations. Oh, yeah. I mean, we still have to do that because honestly, we work for insurance mm. companies too, because, you know, they get, we, not everybody's private pay. In fact, a lot of the kids that I see are immigrants and, you know, they just don't have the insurance. So I'm, I'm really working for the families. I try to keep that in mind. But there are regulations, you know, as far as certain, whatever. Qualifications that need to be met. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I do respect those. But 
it's different than having a boss over you just constantly on yeah. your back. I mean, it reminds you know? me of one of my level twos that I fizzed is like, I could never be a PT. I'm just too like cr- flexible <laughs> and bendy to be, <laughs> to be a PT where you have to do things really strict. And I ended up in a physical disabilities level two because my P's one didn't work out. I just didn't fit in. It really, I did not fit in in that setting. And one of my supervisors like want insisted that I take notes the way she takes notes with a clipboard <laughs> and, and the papers <laughs> in this specific order. And it drove me nuts. I couldn't function the way she functioned. My brain didn't work. She didn't get it. Like she was insistent. <laughs> Yeah, this is my issue, like, with orthodoxy, too. Mm. (laughs) I have a really hard time following rules. So, um, Yeah, this is why we like each other. Man. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a challenge. Especially rules that don't make sense. Right. Exactly. And the only answer to that is we just don't know. It's faith. Yeah. 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 You know. And even with faith, it's like, this can't be what God is talked about like this isn't what he meant mm-hmm. but you know what even like with all this corona stuff and and trying to have faith during this i just i heard someone do you ever follow eckhart no. tolle because okay, he's like he's a spiritual okay. guru but anyways okay. so he was being interviewed and uh he was saying that really it sounds a little backwards but you really don't grow until you're kind of struggling it's kind of thing about muscles right muscles don't get stronger until they have resistance and and so you know when things are happy and easy that's enjoyable but that's not really where your growth Mm. comes from your growth comes from pedaling uphill it comes from resistance and darkness and it's not that we we crave that but that is where we and we get this from nature i must say because I actually consider this, I'm about to start a YouTube channel. And again, goes right back to my theater roots. I'm like, oh, finally, I can perform. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. so excited about it. Um, I have to figure yeah. out how to pay. You'll be awesome. I have to figure out how to monetize it, you know, just to pay back my credit cards. But, um, mm-hmm. but I, you know, this is my jam. Had had TikTok been around when I was a kid, man, I'd be a TikTok star from day one. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, with you TikTok. know. The, <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who just started this YouTube channel called Seaweed Oasis, and they have this um, series called Man on Mars. It's really cute. It's this green little Martian, and like they just started it with their family and started doing these puppet shows. <laughs> And it's really just the process of doing it. It's it's hard. Like she's saying, it's difficult. It's hard. But the process of working with other people or whether you work by yourself and working on a project and just pushing through it, you know, and getting it up there. And I did a bunch of videos when I was with Mm -hmm, I remember them. And, um, yeah, they're still <laughs> up there, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, I just think whatever you do, like now I'm podcasting, I've blogged, you know, I'm working on my website now. So this is why I say you're you know, a very OTPT because it's all this creative stuff and figuring out how to do stuff. That's mm-hmm. very OT. Like 
that is exactly okay. So two things I need to remember to talk about. So one is, um, which is what you brought up just the second, which is when I was, gosh, I really wish I knew exactly how old I was, but let's say I was somewhere between five and seven. My parents had mm-hmm. ordered a, a furniture living room set, which was a couch and a couple of chairs and some tables from Israel. And then war broke out in Israel and it arrived a few years later because um, of the mm-hmm. war. And it, Yep, I remember it, that war. Was the war, it? The seven, in oh, yeah, that must have yeah, been it. <laughs> I think so, because I, I had to forfeit my skating party for oh, that war. I was a I was a I mean, bigger skater to, as a kid. I was not. <laughs> but you but... like skating. <laughs> well, I don't know. We were having a roller skating party. I actually was a gymnast. I did that so... too. <laughs> yeah, so. Right. So, um, right. So they, the couches arrived and it was, it was wood, a wood frame with leather straps that would hold um, leather cushions and it came and there was a pile of square cushions that nobody could figure out where they went and I literally sat there staring at them and looking at the couches and inspecting them and I noticed that there were these snaps and this is what it would look like if it anyway I figured out where they went they went around the um, armrests of the the wood armrests mm. I figured that out and that's me being an OT at five years old <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say is I want to get back to the growth from adversity. Um, I lived in Miami when, or actually Hollywood, when um, Hurricane Andrew hit. And oh. it was an, ter- certainly an experience, but the learning thing that I'm talking about now is there were some like preservation, there's a lot of preservation from nature parks in florida and so one of them had been this like um what are those called the a rainforest kind of park that you went through and it it actually like had a name that meant it was all covered and had been dark to go through because all the trees were around it and after hurricane andrew Mm -hmm. the entire thing was decimated but because they're a nature preserve they did nothing except for cut trees that were blocking the walking paths and left it alone. Mm-hmm. And I never saw it before it was destroyed or I wouldn't even say it before it changed. And what we learned walking through there was everything that was growing from like the sides of the fallen down logs, like the trees, things were growing up from them. And, wow. and that's ecology. And that's how we survive. Yeah. I mean, you think about a a plant grows from a seed that's put down into the dark, right into darkness. Oh, and it's, it's amazing, but it reaches for light. That's what, that's what we have to do. I I mean, I just think that's what we have to do right now. We have to redefine. Right. It's not what we thought was great. And it's not what we thought life needed to be like. So it's going to be different, not worse, not better, but different because it's the same thing, mm-hmm. I think, with the tides and hurricanes um, in Florida, which is where yeah. um, when a hurricane comes, it does something to the surf. 
and and brings either the sand mm-hmm. out or the sand in and otherwise we wouldn't be surviving so tell us a little bit about oh okay and just, you know, it seems to be a little obsolete. I have atrocious handwriting. And when I was younger, I always thought it was because I just had so much to say. I couldn't mm. get it down. Which fast is enough. possible. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's more just, you know, a lack. It was a little bit of lack of attention. And well, so, it, could have, it could have been lots of reasons that might have hurt you. Like, you just don't know. Um, so yeah. handwriting. It's certainly not. It is certainly not obsolete. Like, I don't see it that way despite people talking about it because the more people make it obsolete the more they realize they're missing it you, you're always going to jot down mm-hmm. a grocery list one of my kids who yeah. can barely write just now in a session we just left I told her parents her parents were not in the room with her and I told her okay next time you're gonna this is the project we wanted we were doing a rainbow loom project and I said gather all the materials so when we meet next time all we do is start working on it because we have a short short time together mm-hmm. and so she had to write down the name of the project and what she needed to gather and with no prompting for me and it was just on a scrap piece of paper next to her her spelling's atrocious but she wrote it down so even the mm-hmm. kids that don't want to write are going to be writing you're not going to have the electronics there all the time. I have four kids, two adult kids and two teens, okay? And I am always giving them little pads of paper, you know, line paper, okay? Legal pads, things like that. And they look at me like, why? We use our phone. And I said, how do you not have a pad of paper next to you to tell you what to do during the day? In other words, like I know you use your phone for scheduling appointments. I get that. Even to set maybe a reminder, but... Don't you have things you need to accomplish? Like I, I jot things down all the time, grocery lists, things like that. And maybe I'm old school, but I agree with you. I just think that. Well, you need aside to be able from to that, like I've recently, um, I guess it's not so recently anymore. It's been a couple of years where I discovered bullet journaling. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a really no, shortened, like shorthand way of creating a schedule, and it's all you personalize it as much as possible. Now I ended up moving on to something that was half baked for me so that I could take the structure they gave me and then made it my own because going from scratch to build Mm -hmm. a a calendar, literally to take a ruler and create a calendar the way I wanted to was too much investment, time investment for me. But the things that make handwriting important are why you need handwritten mm-hmm. journal scheduling kind of things. Your brain remembers things differently when you write it down. Yes, there is a connection between writing and your brain. The studies done, I think it was Bill Gates that did a study with college students and had, I think there were actually three sets. So people who didn't take notes, people who typed on a laptop, and people who hand wrote their notes. So the people who handwrote their their notes actually understood concepts better than the ones that were typing because the ones that were typing were just focused on the words and they weren't even listening to what the lesson was about (laughs) because they're just focused on putting those words onto into their keyboard. Yeah, there is something with that brain hand connection. Um, And it's, I mean, the list goes on. That's for a college student. Um, It's also like 
emotionally when people journal with their hands, there's something very different about what comes out on that paper Mm -hmm. than if you were typing it. I heard it once. I read an article about a third grade teacher and she brought handwriting back into her classroom and it was almost like learning mm, Yes, because that's you know? what letters are. They're shapes. And yeah, but the discipline of doing mm-hmm. it every day, or maybe it was several times a week, you sit, like how you sit while you're doing it, your body posture, the attention. I don't know. I find, um, I, I write sometimes. When I blogged, I used to always put bullet points. That's how I created from a blog. So I kind of understand that. Um, but also just like even writing poetry, like sometimes just that, that mechanics of writing, it just like, I, you go into a different place. There's so much, the studies, the scientific studies outside of the, of the, um, (laughs) outside of the world of OT, like the studies having nothing to do with the mechanics of writing and why OTs would work on handwriting, just the benefit of a Mm -hmm. human being writing pencil to paper. Um, And even for me, okay, I'm laughing because today's my father's birthday. He died young. He was 66. Yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. But the joke is, so my birthday is on the 20th and his is the 18th. And I was his birthday gift. And my brother always confuses us and wishes me a happy birthday on the 18th. So he, so, and his daughter brought me a birthday cake this morning <laughs> she showed up at my door it was really sweet um with social distancing a mask i didn't touch her she just handed me the cake and look she's that's she's so incredibly sweet, sweet. so awesome. she's 27 so she had i'm like it's not today she's like it's the 20th <laughs> she's confused too her mother's birthday is tomorrow um and i guess oh god i guess where she spoke to her father because i while we were just now on the phone i got a a whatsapp from my brother saying happy birthday daddy (laughs) because she must have told him he's always confused every year um (laughs) but i gotta say that like there's something emotional about writing so i have old letters from my father that we he wrote to me in sleepaway camp and when I was away for my uh, year in Israel, I all have these all these handwritten notes, and it's his personality. You know, it's him. That's so neat. Yeah, if you find something that someone wrote you, it's like a a, a it's, bottle. It's definitely you know, a an emotional bottle, whatever you call connection. It. My yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say the other thing with writing, and when I'm doing PT and kids are ready to stand. I especially, particularly for kids that have low upper body core strength or upper extremity strength or kids that are developmentally delayed and I'm about to, let's say, discharge them into their parents' hands for the rest of their lives. I say to the parents, I say, I want you to get everything up on the walls, okay? (laughs) And I'm like, you know, wipe erase boards, refrigerator magnets, window markers, easels, put their Lego boards up on the walls, just... So that you, they can be up and about because the most of their lives are going to be sitting with their head forward down in their phone wow. or their computer tablet. And just that, that hand work on the wall and then using and sitting or standing, but you're really using your, it's like a whole body writing experience. I, I think it's just, just so I global. I mean, it's not just, there's the cognitive yeah. part, which, you know, creates the, creates the memory part. Um, and this is a big concept in OT mm-hmm. also. Like I remember 
for for me it was crocheting when I was a kid and there were some classes the teacher allowed it and some that didn't and I remembered the information and the classes that I crocheted almost to the stitch like I would remember what the teacher was saying at a specific stitch and I feel like handwriting is very similar because you're putting together a memory with a motor not only that you then Mm -hmm. have it documented so for another person the stitch might not matter to them but the the, but the little snippet of a sentence that they wrote down while a teacher said something will bring the entire concept and visual to them even if they're only Mm -hmm. putting a few words down there's something there's so many aspects to handwriting it's the cognitive part it's knowing to oh this is a brilliant one my students always love hearing it's the top down left right Mm -hmm. movement that your brain needs to learn everywhere in this world because things on the shelves that you have to scan you're scanning from left to right and top to bottom think of your groceries like shelves when you're looking for things Mm -hmm. this is science in in theater or in cinema if there are two really famous actors, so Tom Hanks and Lady Gaga are both in a movie and they're both okay. equally as prominent. So whose name goes first on, on the bill, right? <laughs> who's the first name you see on the screen? Yeah. So they've actually come up with a scientific way to make it absolutely equal. If you were to put them side by side and they were on the same line, then the person on the left would always go first. And that person got higher billing. If they're going from top down and put them both on the same screen, one underneath the other, then the person on top gets top billing because your eye goes there first to read. So what they do is they do it on the left and on the right. It's going to be hard to demonstrate over over the microphone versus visualizing it. But let's say we do a little bit of both. So one name is on the bottom left and one name is on the top right. So half people are going to read from top down and we'll see the the name on the right first. Uh And half the people are going to read left to right and they're going to read the name on the bottom first. So that's equal billing. You know, that's really interesting. When I used to create catalogs, they told me that the way people's eyes scan through a catalog typically is top left, right bottom. And Mm -hmm. so those were the hot spots for the best the best products so that's interesting well that makes sense yeah i think it depends uh, on which way you're flipping because some people flip back that's to front some you're people... going back to front it's still the yeah. top left for them it, you know what if you're going backwards i'm guessing in hebrew it's the exact opposite but it doesn't make a difference because if you're doing that then the billing is mm-hmm. equal there's some there's science to it that's the bottom line <laughs> yeah 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 there's a and science with, and to so it so with the and... size matters handwriting yeah. problem, which i just uh, you know, recently it's relatively new and it, the results of improvement of legibility happen so fast and so quick. And it has to do about meeting targets. It's about lines, touching lines and slowing your motor pattern, the, 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 the motor movement so that you can stop. It's kind of like driving, you know, you slow the pedal down until you yeah. start. you have to know when in advance to start slowing down so you would be able to do it before the stop sign and not roll into the crosswalk. 
And that's exactly mm-hmm. what this is. Mm-hmm. And there's something about your brain learning how to do that as a skill. It That will bring about legible handwriting. I mean, that's the study that um, Bev Moskowitz did about what creates legibility, that if everything's the same size on the page, it just makes it more legible. Well, that's great. And, and isn't it also gross motor first before fine motor? You know, I just find like, bigger like if I the kids I've worked with like they write something large it really depends you know, why initially it really will depend why but you also work with younger kids oh that's yeah well I do I do all no, and I don't I really know, do handwriting like, <laughs> so, um, so yeah just, anything that you're gonna do with your entire body you're gonna get the concept a little bit better so yes, you would definitely do the gross part mm-hmm. first, but now we're talking about doing the more precision part, which is which creates the legibility of the the writing. It means how it's read that I can read yes. it on the page. So it's not just the formation, which a lot of people harp on. And when I did a mm-hmm. different program that was much more popular, I barely let a kid finish a letter because I kept telling him to start at the top, and I would interrupt him forming right. the letter to right. begin with. And so we never actually got to the legibility part. And in this, right. you know, the size matters handwriting program, it, you're teaching formation, but it's not, if it's, if anything has to go, it's got to be formation and not the size and spacing. Cause that's what makes it easy to got read. It. I want them to do it correctly. It. And when I have them practice, which the coolest thing of practice is it's, it's so simple, but brilliant that we score your letters. They score their own letters and the letters earn a star. If it follows all the rules and there are three rules, is it touching, 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 touching? It gets a star. If not, it doesn't get a star. We roll the dice on the A that didn't match the rules. Now I roll a dice on that A and it's not five A's they have to write for me. It's five star worthy A's. So they are motivated to slow down their pencil because they have fewer A's to write. If they only write five, they could get away with only writing five A's if they're all star worthy. You know, I really love that. I love that it's, you can't, you're not just getting through it. You're learning to do it well. And the reason is because our goal is legibility. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. And it's not just about you. It's about other people right. being able to, right. you're communicating something to someone else. So and I have to say, so me in getting into too. TikTok, really nice. this is like a full circle thing. Me getting into TikTok, I Googled or I did the hashtag of handwriting to see what else was out there. And there's a whole bunch of channels about mm-hmm. people improving, the adults trying to improve their own handwriting. And they're doing all these different methods, having nothing to do with any curriculum, nothing to do with OT. They're just, they're repeating their letters. Some of them said, you know, don't do this and do do this. So there are people who are improve their handwriting. I'm not even sure why, but wow. it's a thing. I don't know. Maybe it's kind of mm. like one of those present moment things. You know, it's like when you're, Anything, you could pick anything really, but it's just this idea of just focusing in and being present. It's like almost like a meditative it is, thing. I and think. I, I'm picturing now it's it's private, but it's still outside yourself. It's your, your thoughts on paper, which mm-hmm. nobody else needs right. to see, but you're not keeping it in your head and your soul. I love that. 
That's a deep thought. Yeah. Okay. So we have to wrap up a little bit. And um, yes, just that you share? are amazing and a true influence on me for sure. <laughs> oh, well, good. Well, I feel the same. I've always felt a connection from you and just a joy and I sort of exuberance. That. So I love that. I love it. Palpable. Your energy is palpable, so I can't imagine any child wanting <laughs> to your go to mouth. any other OT. Someone needs to hear that. <laughs> but why don't uh, why don't you let okay. the listeners know okay. where they so, can find um, you if they want? dot com or sensationnewyork.com. They'll both route to the same website, but I got both URLs. So Sensation New York, and it's all spelled out, S-E-N-S-A-T-I-O-N-N-E-W-Y-O-R-K.com, which is why I went back to Size Matters Handwriting, because everybody knows how to spell that. (laughs) Um, And I think what I've done is for all my social, for the YouTube, the TikTok, I'm doing Haya Haya OT. So H-I-Y-A-C-H-A-Y-A-O-T. Awesome. And anybody listening should go check that out. And I will put it in the show notes so they can see it in writing if they want. And I'm sure we will connect again shortly. But I hope everyone's enjoyed I hope this so, conversation. Because I, I know I have. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. We'll have to connect Thank you so much. Bye. So you're welcome. Thank you, too. Thank you for listening and sharing. I really appreciate your helping me spread tips that might be of help to someone you know. And remember that why is not near as important as what and how. Have a special day.